0: This film has been modified from its original version. It has been formatted to fit this screen. Welcome to Syndicated Cinephiles. Hello, and welcome to Syndicated Cinephiles, the podcast where we talk about movies you've seen a million times because they were on TV when you were a kid. I am your host, Madeline Cook. And today, my guest is Nick Baum.
1: Welcome Hi. to the show, Nick. Hi, Madeline. Thank you for having me on your show. This is so <laughs> fun. I feel like it's just yesterday that you were a guest on the show that I used to do and don't really do it anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are, of course, referencing... Movie soup Movie with soup. Seth and Nick.
1: Mm-hmm. With Seth and Nick. And I'm Nick and he's Seth. And yes. we yeah, a dearly departed show, which could come back, I guess, at any point. We both still exist in the same city. It's just uh city living removes the ability to podcast from a lot of us, but not scrappy individuals like yourself. Who- <laughs> <laughs> are still podcasting
0: yeah it is that's i say you know the one good thing about i'm a solitary host i don't have to coordinate a million calendars you know what i mean it's just me and whoever i have on um just two. if if listeners are are interested in hearing the archive of movie soup with seth and nick it's all on spotify correct
1: it's all on spotify if you look up movie soup i'm pretty confident we're the only show with that title (laughs) um but yeah there's a i think there's like eight-ish episodes on there and in our defense, it was a radio show turned podcast. So there are more episodes behind that way in the archive that we'll never see again. They were, they're, they're ethereal, you know, they're like, uh, it's like, uh, live music, you know, it's, yeah. it's there and then it's gone.
0: It was in the um, airwaves and it's it was and in, there. It will remain.
1: Yeah. Unless some way, someone someday discovers a way to like archive radio frequency, <laughs> which would be something really special, I guess. Um, yes. But uh thank you again for having me on your show i'm really really excited to talk about uh (laughs) this
0: movie (laughs) get right to it baby what's the title of the film that you brought in
1: this is harry potter and the chamber of secrets uh a movie from my childhood that i again okay i say again so it's (laughs) pretty clear (laughs) (laughs) we had a bit of an audio recording snafu on my part so i'll tell this story for madeline a second time but for you listener for the first time maybe um (laughs) I had a big, big think uh, when Madeline asked me to be on the show because I couldn't really think of a a movie specifically from my childhood that I had seen a million times. And at one point I thought it was a very obscure episode of Danny Phantom. And I was like, that is not a movie um and so (laughs) i randomly was in my living room and my roommate was watching football which as previously mentioned is pretty nostalgic for midwesterners because everyone grew up watching football at least a little bit or out of the corner of your eye sometimes and it sort of just hit me like a ton of bricks like the november weather seeing football being played it was just this perfect storm of what time of year it is when the Harry Potter movie marathon on ABC Family would start coming around. And I remember really distinctly that it was all, like Harry Potter movies were really specifically like Halloween movies and also Christmas movies because almost yes. all of them take place over Christmas. And, but they're kind of have that vibe. They're a little spooky. Like witches and wizards, I guess, is a kind of a Halloween-y thing. So yeah, that uh, that's a bit of the long and short of like why I thought of this movie for today <laughs> oh,
0: completely i'm i'm so glad that you brought this movie because when i've had other people on it's this weird thing where some people are like well i don't want to do anything that's like too overdone or like too mm. popular and i'm like no the whole point of this show is like things that we all kind of experience together. Like, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of overlap with, oh, you used to watch this movie all the time on TV. I was watching it at the exact same time as you before we even met, like when we were both kids or whatever. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's yeah. a unifying thing. And I think one of the most unifying things for people of our generation was the Harry Potter marathons, the Harry Potter yeah. weekends and everything. Like, it seemed like there was a, a chunk of, that had to be like at least five years that they were doing that, like, every month almost, it seemed like, they would have a Harry yeah. Potter marathon.
1: It was also, like, before all of the movies were done. I remember mm-hmm. specifically, I think it was, like, like it would get to probably, like, Order of the Phoenix, like, the fifth one or something. And then it would just be, like, and also play a trailer for the new movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, cool. I'd, I love these movies. Even though they're all so insanely different, except for these first two. That yes. are really similar. I guess the last two are similar because they're like the same movie, but super long. But but yeah, no, I I think it is really unifying. I, that's interesting that your other guests are like. Well, I mean, you know, we're all artists at heart. No one wants to be. I guess everyone wants to out pretentious each other and be like, no, I have this movie. A little <laughs> sorry, bit, everyone a little else. Bit.
0: else. Because sorry. you know, <laughs> Harry Potter has been brought up before, and someone was like, but I shouldn't do that. I should do whatever. And I'm like, well, no. Like we all watched those we should talk about them. They're also really good movies. Like, (laughs) not to bury the lead, I feel like the theme of this whole episode is going to be, but I mean, I love these movies. They're good movies.
1: They're good movies. There's a big nostalgia factor at play for sure. But also, like watching it again, I was like, if I was a kid right now, I'd probably still love this. I think I just am a big like, childhood whimsy is so awesome. And Mm -hmm. because like, I love these first two so much. And I have a lot of we were actually just talking about it while we were watching the movie. Myself, Randy, my roommate, Grace, my fiance, we all live together. And we were watching this movie and it was brought up like, oh, don't we have friends who like hate this movie, like specifically this one? And I was like, yeah, we do have a couple friends who really don't like this one. And it's hard to say why. I think it's because like maybe the first one is better because it's the first one. And mm-hmm. this one is ever so slightly worse because it's like the first one, but again. <laughs> but, but I just sort of disagree with that. I don't know. I think I'll get into some of this stuff later. But I really, really love this, <laughs> this movie. I don't know what it is. I really like this one.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I say we get right into the format, which is, do you remember the first time you saw this movie?
1: If I had to guess... I would say it's probably like with my step siblings because they kind of introduced me to Harry Potter and I was probably Mm. like six or seven at the time and I'd never seen any of them. And we marathoned through a few of them because not all of them were at the time when I was six or seven. This is going to date me. I'm going to show my kids this one in the future and they'll be like, you're so old. Um,
0: (laughs) Although I will say... But you're so young because some people my age like saw this in a theater or saw the first saw all of them in theaters, and I think you're you're too young. At a certain point, I'm sure you caught up to seeing them in theaters, but I'm sure for the first ones you were too young to see them.
1: The first one I saw in the theater, I think by the oh man, maybe by the time I was old enough to see them in the theater, the first one I saw was like Half Blood Prince. Which is like the third to last of these movies.
0: That sounds about right. Because I, I want to say I'll have to look up uh, the the years of all of these movies. This
1: know, is like, probably like a circa 2005 movie if I had to guess. I wouldn't because know
0: Because Chamber of Secrets is, uh, I also, you know, didn't say the whole thing. Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets directed by Chris Columbus. Chris 2002
1: Columbus. is the 2002. Chamber of Secrets. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The <clears throat> Half-Blood Prince is 2009.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that probably would have been about the time... Because
0: what year were you born? 99?
1: 99. So I was about 10 in yeah. in 2009. And so, yeah, this movie, I guess would have been like three years old when this came out. Yeah. There's a chance I saw it as a baby, I guess. But yeah, the first time <laughs> I, re- I really viscerally remember seeing it, The my most specific memories of watching Harry Potter movies were in my childhood bedroom that I shared with my, my brother. And like all of us kids would like gather in... we he and I had like two really big beds. And so we would all sit on the beds and we watched watch the movies and we had an awesome time. I, I really enjoyed watching them. I disagree fundamentally with J.K. Rowling. Put that out there near the top of the episode. Don't bury the lead on that, I guess. <laughs> but like, movies are separate um (laughs) but um yeah these first two with chris columbus i think it's cool because it's so they're unified in like the vibe it's very similar Mm -hmm. and so yeah so like this this feeling of like whimsy and colour and the moving staircases and the talking paintings and the Quidditch match and everyone looks all silly because the CGI isn't right and Harry's rubbery arm. Like this is the aesthetic of the these movies that I really fell in love with at that time when I watched them when I was a Mm -hmm. kid. There's a really long winded answer to your question. No, I think
0: I think one reason why this was such a successful franchise aside from the fact that the books were wildly popular, both in the UK and here, like, worldwide, Mm -hmm. this really is a big example of a franchise that allowed itself to age with its audience. I think the books kind of do the same thing, because they definitely get way longer as you go on, but, like, you know, the first two movies, very childlike whimsy, you never really feel like a main character is going to meet a demise in any way. there's no there's no real danger even though the the vibe is dangerous and the things that they're talking about are scary and they're talking about people dying. but nobody we love is really in danger of dying. And then yeah. as the books go on and the movies become pg thirteen as as yeah. you get further into it, <laughs> shit starts getting real. <laughs> it gets
1: very real. It gets very like, oh man, Harry might get like jumped in the street and, <laughs> and murdered for sport. This is crazy. <laughs> But yeah, at this age, when he's supposed to be like 12, you're like, I'm, t- I'm 12. I freaking love this. <laughs> this is yes. sick. Yeah, I, I can't help but agree. It's so like, and you don't see a lot of franchises that do that anymore because at the time, as I'm sure many of our audience is aware, and we are aware, it happened to us when we were teenagers. But like, Harry Potter ended, and then there was a power vacuum immediately. And like, Hunger Games filled a big piece of this hole. Because it was like, there's a young adult audience and they're huge consumers of media and they love media like this, will be the next big thing. So Hunger Games blew up and then there was like Divergent and Maze Runner and all this junk that like, I don't remember, I shouldn't say junk, I'm sure the books are good. I don't, I don't remember (laughs) watching or seeing.
0: Uh And
1: it was like, that didn't even have near the opportunity to age with its audience because it was like three movies long or like four because they would extend the third book into two movies. Cause Harry Potter did it. Um, <laughs> yes. I also remember at this time when Harry Potter had ended, <laughs> the Twilight movies were at like the end of their run. Oh yeah. Run. So the first Twilight movie I ever saw was Breaking Dawn part one <laughs> because Harry Potter was over and my family needed a thing to do <laughs> together. And so we would watch. I was, I came into the living room one day and it was like Edward and Bella's marriage scene. And I was like, I thought that these two were like in high school. <laughs> and, my, and my stepmom was like, now they're getting married in this one. And I was like, oh. And then like, She's pregnant and emaciated and gro- This is not an episode about Harry Potter or no, but Twilight, I'm like, but...
0: I'm honestly surprised that your family watched that together because that is infamously... I haven't seen all of the Twilight movies. That was the only one that I saw in theaters because my friends really wanted to see it. And that's the one Breaking where like, one. yep, they get married and then they go on a honeymoon and there is a they- full sex scene where Edward breaks the bed because he's yeah. so fucking powerful. And it's like, and
1: so, your horny.
0: family watched that together?
1: we did we did watch it together oh and we God. were un- we were uncomfortable with a capital u it was crazy <laughs> it was um and then they have she gives birth to the most horrific looking baby i've ever seen yes. shout out renesme yes. and i loved it <laughs> and so we saw i i saw breaking dawn part two in theaters when i was in whatever mm-hmm. uh you're not that much older than me. So I was probably in like low high school at that point. Yeah. And so (laughs) it's just really indicative of like the power that these movies had at that time. Um, I don't remember what I, (laughs) talking about we're talking about <laughs> twilight
0: well uh, this all this all stemmed from at its core talking about watching it for the first time so mm-hmm. you definitely mm-hmm. did see it for the first time on tv likely in one of these marathons with yeah. um your step siblings and then if you had to guess like how many times you've seen this particular one
1: if i had to take like a stab at it i would guess like seven to eight times mm-hmm And that would be, like, cognizantly watching it all the way through. Yeah. Um, If I had to guess, like, times it was thrown on and forgotten or times when it was on and I wasn't paying attention, it would easily be in, like, the tens to twenties of times. Just because, like, this is one of those movies that I think especially, like, my family, we would do Harry Potter movie marathons of our own volition. And we would Mm -hmm. just, like, put them on and watch them back to back. Wow. And... This is one that you definitely you, like you definitely when you set out to do that you never make it all the way through but you you <laughs> think you will and you make it through like the first two before yeah. you lose a bunch of steam mm-hmm. and so th- that's like the context in which with which I watched a lot of this. And so I would easily say that like the times when I walked away from it or had to do something else or it came on and I watched some of it but not all of it is definitely in like the 10s to 20s of times (laughs) I have like observed this movie with my eyes.
0: That definitely sounds about right. And something that's so crazy about this movie, I watched it earlier this morning and the way i was like yeah i'll throw this on it can't be more than two hours two hours 41 minutes
1: it's a long one it's also (laughs) famously shortest book one of the longest movies of the franchise (laughs) um and maybe that is what people don't like about it is that like Mm -hmm. the first one like the whimsy and the magic it's like that and it's done. And then this one, it's like, well, we got a cash cow on our hands. Let's give Chris Columbus a million billion dollars and then he'll just make a, a movie as long as he wants to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the things that got brought up in our rewatch was that we felt that part of the reason that it was so long is because they cover pretty much all of the book, whereas later they go, the books get longer and the movies can't contain that much of them anymore. So, Mm -hmm. like, the reason this movie is so long is because it's, like, ever, probably ever so slightly longer or maybe just shorter than the first book. And they're able to be like, well, let's put all of it in. We might as well. Short book. Mm -hmm. And then when you translate it later, it's like, well, we can't fit this, like, 700-page book into two hours. So let's uh, cut a bunch of this junk (laughs) and let's not address it and let's not do it.
0: Completely. I mean... I see a universe, and I'm, I'm glad I'm not in this universe, because despite it being 2 hours 41 minutes, I was engaged the whole time, and I was engaged the whole time as a kid, and it didn't feel like anything was unnecessary, but I do see a universe where some producer of this movie is like, look, cut all the Dobby shit, cut the Quidditch shit, like, let's just yeah. do the Tom Riddle diary basilisk, like only the things that we need to know for the story and the plot.
1: Which occupies, I feel, less. I guess I don't know how you felt about this. I'm interested in your answer. But I felt the Tom Riddle basilisk diary stuff occupies a lot less screen time than it did in my memory of the movie. I In my memory, Harry did like two or three flashbacks with Tom Riddle. And it just happens once. And he's like, well, Haggard opened the Chamber of Secrets. That sucks.
0: And it's like far into the movie too. It's like past the oh, midpoint, I think, that he yeah, first finds the diary.
1: Yeah, it's, it is... It is deep and to be honest i think i may have like gone to the bathroom or something and come back because i think i missed when he got it because he just was like <laughs> he was like sitting at the table writing in it and he I was truly like,
0: fucking finds it yeah i i also i don't know it wasn't like extraordinary or he, he didn't go looking for the diary at all it was just like what's this book hmm.
1: oh yeah because jenny threw right. it at moaning myrtle and she's like through her <laughs> head and you're like okay cool you're like 30 this is fun um she is <laughs> That actress is like 30. She kills it though. She eats. She, she, she rent was due and she was paying the bills. (laughs) Um, I think it's just a crazy movie and it really does hold your engagement for a lot. The part that I get the, and maybe we'll get at this later. But the part that I get the most bored watching is the whole Harry and Ron are Crab and Goyle. And they have to go, like, learn about from this stuff from Malfoy. Also, <laughs> they say in the movie that, like, the Polyjuice potion will last them about an hour. But that sequence is, like, ten minutes long. Not even. <laughs> and they sit down in the Slytherin common room. And then a minute into their conversation with Draco, it's like your scar your hair (laughs) and you're like dude how long were you just walking around hoping you would bump into draco malfoy that's so true
0: they truly only talk for five minutes and in true kid fashion they're not able to play it cool at all the whole time they're like about to say fuck you draco every five (laughs) seconds
1: it's so funny (laughs) (laughs) it's so like and then Harry's like, you're wrong. And you're like, are you fucking kidding, child? You guys
0: are bad at this. You you're bad, bad at being spies.
1: Neither of you prepped even a little to be crab or Goyle. <laughs> Neither <laughs> of you were ready.
0: Um, Going back to the whole feeling like the Tom Riddle stuff took up way more space in our head yeah, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, for Is me, it because he's
1: so hot? I mean,
0: <laughs> I was going to bring that up at one point, but really what I was going to say was another one of my questions is when you watch this on tv did it seem like there was always a spot that when you turned on the movie it was at that spot because for me it was the flashback sequence where we see yes. tom
1: riddle exactly it was always the part where he's like writing in the diary yes and then and then it says like 13th june and he's mm-hmm. like and he, this is the weird editing he's like ah and he like <laughs> falls in the book oh my god that oh is, wait that is exactly it
0: I have a huge question for you. Whoa. I have a (laughs) Midwest-specific question for you.
1: Wow. I might have an answer, a Midwest-specific answer. (laughs)
0: Yes. Did you frequent Marcus Theaters?
1: No. I'm (gasps) from such a small little town. We only had, now people are going to dox me and my family, but we had this theater called the Gets Skyview Drive-In, and it was a partner theater. There was a theater in town, and then there was a drive-in, like, out past city limits and that's where i grew up going to movies one of those two places
0: interesting so maybe i don't
1: have an awesome answer to this but i'll still listen to your question
0: well this was just a very specific for those of you listening who are from the midwest which many of you are because only our friends listen to this for the most part um respect Marcus Theatres, which is the the main chain there, they have a bumper before or they used to before all of their movies where they'd show a million clips. And for the longest time, they did not change it. So it was like an incredibly dated bumper. And mm-hmm. so it would have a clip from the first Shrek movie where like the dragon <laughs> is chasing Shrek through the castle and he's like sliding down the thing. And then one right. of the clips Cinema. that they also featured was the pages of the diary flipping and lighting up in front of Harry Potter. And that was always the final image. And then it would fade into, like, Marcus Theatres or whatever. And so, (laughs) listeners, (laughs) if you also frequented Marcus Theatres and you know exactly what I'm talking about, the bumper I'm talking about.
1: Uh, Email in, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Please validate me in in the comments. Um, But back to the other question. That is the main question on this podcast. Was there a part for you? Was it the Tom Riddle diary for you that you always clicked on?
1: Yeah, let me see what I had said. I think it was usually the Tom Riddle diary thing. If it wasn't that, it was, I wrote this down. Oh, this was actually Cody cogent um listener for you i had said previously that i wrote all of these notes down frantically while either watching the movie or just after on my phone with my autocorrect on so some of my notes make no sense to me um (laughs) but this one i wrote down probably that scene in the bookstore probably that scene in the bookstore shen lockhart gives harry his books (laughs) yeah it was either the the riddle diary scene or when lockhart's like little did he know he'd be leaving with my entire collected works (laughs) and you're like what a tool yes
0: the first time we see lockhart and that's in diagon alley correct Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah that's in borgin and burke's the bookshop yeah no that's like the first time we meet that character beloved actor director kenneth branagh famously directed the first Thor movie that is bad um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also a very accomplished Shakespeare actor shout out you Kenneth Brenna yeah <laughs> um, yeah it was usually either one of those two parts I think mainly because the other context when I watch this movie I am a carsick girly I am constantly carsick in the car and so my family had this minivan and we would watch movies on long car rides uh-huh. and they made me carsick <laughs> and oh. so i would fall asleep a lot but kind of like come to and then fall asleep and this movie was one that we would just kind of toss on we would usually just toss on one of the harry potter movies and this one specifically i remember like waking up and it's like my entire collected works and i would be like i'm going back to sleep <laughs> i know, <laughs> like, I'm I'm don't know i don't want to throw th- up <laughs> i'm gonna throw up, up? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is making me want to start a branch off podcast which is movies mini- you van minivan, minivan dvds <laughs>
1: Junkie minivan dvds that your parents said were turned up too loud <laughs> yes oh yes, my god oh so god. true uh, um, so yeah.
0: before before this rewatch that you did mm-hmm. um when was the last time you remember watching this movie
1: here's exactly what i wrote i'm, I'm reading for the first time right now <laughs> <laughs> the last time i watched this was probably in a college house for my own movie podcast which was a radio show at the time it's my favorite of the series and no one else liked it (laughs) Uh, so yeah the last time i watched this was probably for um movie soup Mm -hmm. because i do think that we watched it and did it for the radio show and then wound up doing no we did it for the radio show we didn't we never did it recorded Mm -hmm. and you'll never hear it listener um (laughs) that was probably the last time i watched this movie
0: okay yeah so a couple like three three years ago Four
1: years ago? Oh man, when was I? I was in college? Like three yeah, three or three or four years ago. Yeah, that would be probably the last time I I sat down and committed to watching it. Granted, I don't sit down and commit to watching movies all that often. Um, so that that, that was a it's a big commitment for me, actually. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was probably the last time I watched it. When was the last time you would have watched this movie?
0: <laughs> probably uh, you know what, as I was watching it, I truly was sitting there thinking, have I seen this movie from, like, start to finish? Because Ever. I have, uh, kind of, because <laughs> I have seen, you know what, there is only one Harry Potter movie that I have not seen the entirety of, and it is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix.
1: I knew you were going to say Order of the Phoenix.
0: <laughs> and whenever I say that to people, they're like, yeah, that's fine. They're kind of like, yeah. don't bother. <laughs>
1: It's because it's boring. There's nothing that happens in it. It's also like it came out, I think, in a period of time where there was a little bit of a lull because they were like, are they going to keep making these movies? These actors are getting older. Are they aging out of the part? Like, Mm -hmm. I think there was a scandal, not a scandal, but like a a thing where like Emma Watson was like, I'm not coming. I'm not going to do any more of these movies. Mm -hmm. Like just at one point, someone will fact check me and be like, you're wrong and stupid. Um, (laughs) But I'm pretty sure there was a period of time where It was up in the air as to whether they were going to keep going. But I think Order of the Phoenix, it indicated that there's like, we're not, we're not done. Mm Because like, if you get to number five of seven, you're on the other side of halfway done. So it's like, you might as well keep going. Yeah. um, For this multi-billion, probably trillion dollar franchise.
0: Yeah. And it makes sense, Um, too, that that one would maybe be a slump or feel like a vibe shift because the first two, like you said, are so whimsical. They're Chris Columbus. The next two, three and four, while more mature and darker in their PG-13, they still have a lot of fun gamified elements to them. I mean, Goblet of Fire has that whole competition thing going
1: on. It's an anime tournament arc. It's fully a shonen tournament arc movie with Harry (laughs) Potter in it. (laughs) think And I think if I remember correctly, the third one is it like ends with a shot of him riding his new broom. And it's that really weird. If you look it up, you if you like freeze Google, like, it's a freeze frame. It's like him and he's yelling and he's like, ah, and there's like <laughs> speed lines <laughs> off his face. Yes. It is very anime. Um, <laughs> and then the fourth one ends in like a, like a, like a slow zoom out and the music swells. As like the Durmstrang pirate ship that they sail in on, like descends into the water. The like oh. sun sets mm-hmm. and the music swells, and it's like it's basically like that Star Wars thing where they like close out the frame. It's like
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Sorry for if you listen on headphones, listener, that probably busted your eardrum. Um... <laughs> yes that yeah. is uh it's so crazy i i agree that like number five would have been a huge tonal shift i think that's probably where they really start to lose saturation in terms of color
0: <laughs> yeah and it definitely everything turns a bit more political i feel yeah. like and just pure heady themes and people really start to die because yeah. I mean we already had cedric diggory dies at the end of goblet of fire and that's Twilight? So Robert huge fucked up death sir Robert is that our hu- first huge fucked up death in in the series?
1: Yes, yeah, that's like the first I mean, like Harry's parents die It's like before the movie starts and all this. yeah,
0: junk. but it's also like but the like, first time a kid dies for sure,
1: yeah. like the the worst thing that happened before that is like it's like in prisoner of azkaban the third movie you think for a while that buckbeak the hippogriff gets executed (laughs) but then in a time travel plot you find out that he didn't
0: yes (laughs) Um,
1: and all this junk and it's like yeah that would be the first time definitely the first time a student dies besides like moaning myrtle i guess but she's like a ghost so is she dead
0: (laughs) which you know, if we're really going to get into the weeds on this movie, the way, A, they they figure out that the first person to die in the Chamber of Secrets was Moaning Myrtle, and the way that it's just kind of, like, still a funny and interesting thing, instead of, no one's like, <sighs> Myrtle, are you okay? She's like, like I died, <laughs>
1: it's fine! And then in the fourth one, she's like, <laughs> she's like... She sexually harasses just, Harry. <laughs> she sexually harasses Harry, she's like... <laughs> He had to stay until almost all the bubbles were gone, <laughs> and Harry has to like build bubble pants because he is stupid enough to get in this bathtub naked, idiot public Harry, bathtub.
0: Harry, a minor in Harry, a bathtub a minor
1: <laughs> with, uh, with a ghost who is like a million years old, as old as the school moaning myrtle. Anyway, uh, yeah, that uh, she's a crazy, she's a weird character, <laughs> weird yeah. character, yeah, and this one technically in a way, has a few... It's, like, bracing you for that in the future, almost. Because, like, the students are petrified, but they're not dead. And I think yeah. that's the, the big distinction between this and later movies, is, like, no one has to die in these movies. Like, mm-hmm. we think we actually think, at the first one, like, Harry kills Voldemort by t- touching him. Stupid. <laughs> but then in this one, the only thing that dies, really, is, like, the mem- ghost memory of Tom Riddle and the basilisk, which is a monster, so you, like, want to see it get beaten or killed but yeah in the future we make a big tonal shift with old cedric diggory i was trying to think of a funny name i really i couldn't i couldn't i tried really hard
0: i'm guessing that this is likely the only episode we're going to get to talk about harry potter at all and so i do want to ask your opinion on Mm -hmm. my boy
1: (laughs) that's my son my boy (laughs) yeah he uh that guy similarly the rent was due and he worked he served he ate and he he had to he he had to pay his bills he was doing an incredible job and uh for like two shots and he and he did it and he did it and he, he did, did
0: it i think that the phenomenon of my boy because <laughs> i'm not alone and like me and my sister and a lot of our friends would like say that jokingly it's like kids are so cruel like because of the interesting way that actor decided to say a line yeah. <laughs> we would lit- we would memify it and be like him. my
1: boy <laughs> that's my son my boy <laughs> yeah no i Every time I see uh, the infamous Seth Barnes, I he will probably quote that at some point. We'll make <laughs> that joke somewhere. And it is messed up, but it's also like, it's part of the culture. And Cedric Degree didn't die, and Robert Pattinson's Batman now or whatever. So Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, he's um, fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> from, not just from the last time you watched this movie, but I guess even from watching this as a kid, mm-hmm. has your opinion changed on it a lot in general?
1: yeah i think the thing that has changed a lot for me is like the things i remember about it there's definitely things that i am like there's not it's interesting because like this movie the only thing that hasn't aged well about the movie is like who it's affiliated with um but like the everything in it like i think the effects hold up pretty well there's a couple that when we're watching it we're like that's a little dicey but Mm -hmm. like i think I stand by like the Dobby effect is really good, especially for 2002. A lot of the stuff is really solid. The weakest voice, the weakest acting is, uh, what's her name? Bonnie Wright as Ginny, but she's a kid. So you pass over it. Yeah. Until she's not a kid later and she continues to be a bad actor. Um, sorry, <laughs> Bonnie Wright. <laughs> yeah, I guess my opinions changed in the fact that like, I think, now I probably like it more than I did when I was a kid Mm. because at that time it was just like the one that was out so we could watch it yeah and now it's a lot more like this is the one I feel really nostalgic watching this one feels like sitting at my grandma's house this one feels like watching movies with my siblings and at that time I'm like watch a movie at grandma's house whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you're
0: like so pissed to have to do things that now you look back, you're like, I'd pay three million dollars if I could go pay, back and do that again. I would
1: <laughs> cut off my arms and legs if it meant that I could experience childhood wonder for a second.
0: <laughs> so, was this definitively your favorite Harry Potter movie?
1: I think, I think it is. I think, I mean, there's definitely ones that are objectively better, like cinemat cinematographically, <laughs> um, sure. directorially. Yeah, it sounds good to me. It sounds right when I say it slow. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Like writing, acting. I'm sure there's there's definitely movies in the franchise that are stronger. But Mm -hmm. this is the one that has like a special place in my heart. If for no other reason than it's iconic that Ron almost kills Harry with the flying car by tipping (laughs) him sideways when he's holding onto the steering wheel and could just turn it the other way. But instead leans out with his 12-year-old hand and he's like, take my hand. (laughs) Stupid, horrible idea.
0: So dumb. I love it. Where in your top 100, if at all, do you think this movie or any of these movies would land?
1: (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. And this is your top 100
0: favorites not yeah. your top 100 like these are the best films of these all are time. the
1: best films of all time yeah i mean it would probably have to be in like the latter half of that list mm-hmm. if i had to pick probably from the nostalgia of it all i would put it in like the 60s or 70s okay. um like a strong 67 or something like that mm-hmm. and again i think it's just because like i think it's timeless i think you show this to a kid now and they're like i love this this is this is my shit i'm so into this i think it's just like it's that fantasy child wish fulfillment. Like the protagonist is a kid, kids identify with him and they're like, I could be Harry Potter because Harry Potter could be, could have been anyone, you know? Yeah. And I think there's something really special about movies that like are fantasy wish fulfillment for children versus like fantasy wish fulfillment for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, I think, I think Lord of the Rings is a good example of this where it's like when you're a kid and even when you're adult too, I guess sometimes depending what type of adult you are, but you're probably like, oh, I really, like, I identify with Frodo. I get his whole deal. Like, I feel like the passenger in my own life because I have no agency. Mm-hmm. And then you get older and you're like, I'm Aragorn and I wish I could live in the woods. You know, <laughs> all this <laughs> stuff. And it's like your your perspective character changes a lot in these movies. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Harry Potter, I'm like, you're always just him. You know, you're just following him and doing the thing that he's doing. And mm-hmm. you would be as confused as he was. And... He's just a really awesome point of perspective character. And shout out you, Daniel Radcliffe. I w- was so obsessed. I wanted to be you when I was a child.
0: Yeah, he's so amazing. I didn't tell you this before we started recording this, but I'm coming
1: to New York. Oh my to God. S- to see Merrily roll, roll along. <laughs> so fun. I'm glad to know that that's happening. We'll have to yes. We'll have to have a drink and you'll tell me all about how small Daniel Radcliffe is in real life.
0: I know. I can't wait to see him do Franklin Shepard Inc. I cannot wait. I can't wait.
1: (laughs) I truly, here's a real fact. And Uh I'll say it now because I've said it before and I get made fun of it for I get made fun of for it. (laughs) I was talking about Merrily because I know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. And I said out loud to individuals that will remain nameless (laughs) that I thought Merrily was about swingers, (laughs) which (laughs) I have since been informed multiple times it is in fact not about (laughs) swingers and i don't know what it was like from the very minuscule amount of information i did know about it like what made me think that it was gonna Uh be but i did really think that that's what it was
0: (laughs) oh my god i I love that
1: corrected yeah no i do you uh, have plans to go
0: see it since you live in new york
1: you would really think that i do Mostly, like, I just look at ticket prices and I'm like, I wish.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. I will say, I feel like my saving grace about living in Los Angeles is that I try to come to New York like once a year and then I, mm-hmm. I let myself. I'm like, okay, well, these are like the two shows I'm going to see this year. So, like, I'll, I'll sure, I'll drop a hundred bucks to see sure. this Broadway show or whatever. But I'm sure living there, you're confronted with that just like all the time.
1: Yeah. It's like, well, I could see Merrily or I could eat this week. So. <laughs> That is a tough call. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not that dire. Sorry, I don't mean to make it sound that bleak. No, it's usually it's usually a question of time. And honestly, like getting people together and being like, do you guys want to see merrily So that someone isn't like, what the heck, you saw merrily I, I, you know, we were go. And it's like, well, whatever.
0: That's so real. And also, why I'm glad that again, my version of that is going to see <laughs> movies out here and everybody mm-hmm. out here has amc a list so it's like not a problem yeah. you know what i mean yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah, i'm on the amc i'm on the amc Stubbs a list and oh, the only yeah. real benefit for me the real thing that makes me be like i'm an a-lister is using the line that no one is in to buy concessions i'm like <laughs> sorry peasants i'm an a-lister i think you'll find that i am going to get my concessions first <laughs> i loved that i loved it especially when i was in boston and no one knew who i was and Mm -hmm. i could just cut in front of lines of truly like tens of people being like hey sorry (laughs) i have to buy my (laughs) chocolate chip cookie dough bite
0: speaking of the amca list are there current movies or anything out that you're like excited to see or things that you've seen recently that you're like everyone should go see this
1: i truly haven't seen a movie in so long oh the last movie i saw Tisk tisk. The last movie I saw and I was like really blown away by was The Creator. Oh, yeah. A movie that didn't got, get a lot of love. It might still be in theaters. It might not be. I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. And especially in a time when we're talking about AI a lot, I think it's a really interesting topic. And I hadn't really seen the like, as maybe in the 1950s you'd seen this done, but like the idea, like what if AI had been almost perfected and implemented way, way, way in our past Mm -hmm. and what would that have looked like for our present or our future it's a really interesting look it's also like of that genre of thing that's really popular now with like The Mandalorian and The Last of Us and any movie (laughs) where there's like a a father figure who's too old to do it and like a surrogate child figure to replace their actual dead child and you're like I love watching you protect that child. (laughs) It's so (laughs) special to me.
0: It is Um, so that is like I guess this trope has been around for a while but it does feel like a very emerging thing. Yeah it's really
1: prolific right now.
0: Yeah of like I don't want to say emerging. Todd type because it, they don't have like a, a maverick type partner but someone who is constantly saying I'm too old for this shit yeah and by this shit it's like I can't deal with kids or I can't be a yeah. father or whatever and then they slowly get worn down by whatever <laughs> adorable person they're carting around the country and keeping safe
1: and every two out of three times it's played by Pedro Pascal and <laughs> it's really fun because I love looking at his little mustache um yeah. otherwise I'm excited to see Killers of the Flower Moon I'll watch that when it comes out Or it is out, sorry. Um, But also I have to set aside three and a half hours to watch it.
0: And it's one of those movies too, I was discussing this with friends, like an entire genre of movie where it's like, not only do I have to carve out time to watch this, I have to make sure I don't have anything after it. Because I'm going to be so, like, winded and kind of, like, upset or, like, ruminating on the movie that I I can't, like, go to a party after that. Or I can't, like, (laughs) have plans after that.
1: Because the only thing I'm going to be able to talk or think about is what I just looked at for three and a half hours. I think that's true of a lot of three and a half hour movies. That's how I was after I saw Barbie three times in a row.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You saw it three times in a row?
1: I saw Barbie. When Barbie came out, I saw Barbie twice in one day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I. So instead of Barbenheimer, I did Bar Bar B.B. And then the next day I had friends who hadn't seen it yet. And I was like, guys, we have a three hour break for dinner. Let's get a fast dinner and go see Barbie again. Yes. <laughs> and so we saw Barbie again the next day. So I saw Barbie back to back to back and uh, I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Um, anyway, that kind of leads into what I'm going to say later, I think. But anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, that's amazing. like the main movies that I've seen recently. Mm. The creator, the creator was really strong. It was just like, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I really liked it. It had a really interesting cogent message about AI And yeah, I'm excited to see Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm really excited for the movie that the trailer just came out. It's the next Ryan Gosling joint, uh, Fall Guy.
0: Oh, I know nothing about this.
1: If you watch the trailer, it's so like, this is the perfect move for him right after playing Ken and Barbie. His character in this is so Ken-coded. It's going to be like a continuation with that character again, Uh. which like in terms of movie is really fun to watch. Uh Uh-huh. It's basically about this guy, this couple. It's like a rom-com. It's like an action rom-com, I think. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, she's a director, and he's a stuntman. And the star of the movie goes missing, and he's the only one who can find him. Oh, I love that. And so he, like, goes on an adventure to save the star of her movie to win her back. And it's Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt... And I think Aaron Taylor Johnson plays the movie star. Oh, cool! Uh, it's gonna be like Bullet Train, where it's like a movie that is just a lot of fun to watch. I think. Uh
0: huh. And we're gonna need that now that we're we're kind of heading into Oscar season here. So we're we are <sighs> getting a lot of a lot of dents Hi, yeah, yeah, and a yeah. lot of upsetting while beautiful movies like I just saw Priscilla, which was wonderful. Highly recommend. But 10 out of 10, you sometimes sure. need need some dessert after a very hearty depressing meal
1: (laughs) and Ryan Gosling wants to provide that you know he wants to he wants to be in the dessert category
0: he does and actually you know what I believe we're recording this on Ryan Gosling's birthday
1: yes no way today
0: today is his birthday
1: Ryan I love you and happy birthday (laughs) And uh, I saw Barbie three times and it really touched me when you reached out to Jimin from BTS and said that you wore the same thing in Barbie that he wore in in the Permission to Dance music video and you gave him your guitar. Oh my Um, God. I truly, I loved it. Um, And before the both of you wore that cowboy outfit, Schmidt from New Girl wore it. So also that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have to ask because I was at a picnic with friends before this Ryan Gosling's birthday was brought up um, sure. People sure. were saying, oh, what's your favorite Ryan Gosling movie or your favorite Ryan Gosling performance? If you had to pick one, what would yours
1: be, do you think? Barbie. Yeah? <laughs> I love him as that role. I think it's also like, very few actors could have played a character that do the things that he does in that movie. And at the end, even when all of this stuff has settled, I'm still, like, a little on his side.
0: You know? Yeah. Like, it's
1: written in that way where you're like, well, he just did it because he's, like... Not because he's stupid or, like, inept, but because he had no frame of reference for what he was doing. Yeah. And he had no reason to believe that what he was doing was wrong. We're, this is an episode about Harry Potter. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> well, we also he, like to talk about current movie things. We like to talk movie about, things, about
1: movies, so, yeah. yeah. He... I couldn't name a ton of other actors that after the dust settled in Barbie, I would have been like, no, it's okay. You're, you're, you were just misguided. It's okay. (laughs) A a lot of actors, I would have been like, get this guy off my screen. I'm sick of looking at him. Yeah,
0: that is such a good point that he's still, despite a lot of the like destructive and mean and dumb stuff he does in that movie at the end, you're, you still just kind of want to be like, oh, you little scamp.
1: Oh, you little, you little buddy. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay you you didn't mean it i know you didn't it's kind of like um it's almost like the inverse of the don't worry darling effect where it's like you they thought because he was harry styles we would like be maybe consider being (laughs) forgiving to him but it's like no this guy's gross and he sucks what no i don't feel i'm not sad that his wife left him are you kidding gross
0: (laughs) him being harry styles has no bearing on this
1: his baby Harry way. Styles had no bearing at all. You could have no. put anyone in that role. I would have had no bearing. Hey, a little uh, don't worry, darling slander on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, um,
0: my favorite Ryan Gosling role, I'm always yes. encouraging people to watch this movie. And I never talk about it. Blade Runner
1: 2049. No. Because you love Blade Runner 2049. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Sorry. It's... Um, is lars and the real girl
1: oh that sounds so familiar have you heard do you
0: know what that movie is
1: i know that the name of it i'm gonna in the background of our facetime look up like the poster
0: it is an indie movie where ryan gosling plays a man who is like very socially inept and has like some psychological stuff going on and he orders like a sex doll And pretends that it is his girlfriend. And it is a very touching, like, wonderful little indie rom-com type movie. It's also about, it's set in, like, small town. I think maybe it's set in Wisconsin. Either Wisconsin or Minnesota.
1: it's a state where stuff like that happens.
0: Yeah. Um, and so he's just always bundled up in like flannels and stuff. And he has a mustache and a little bit of a belly. And he I think is that's so the, good. That's
1: the thing about actors like Ryan Gosling. Like no one is like him in the sense. There are few, few, few actors that can do Blade Runner 2049. And Lars and the real girl, you yeah. know, and like very few actors that you would like believe in both of those sets of roles. Yes. I think I think the reason that th- they get mixed up sometimes, too, is like he's very Jake Gyllenhaal in that way. Mm. Like he is what's that movie? Bubble Boy. <laughs> he's like he's Bubble Boy and he's Mysterio in this MCU and he's in that Nightcrawler movie. Yeah. Zodiac. You know, you like believe him in all of these things. He's just a uh-huh. like, really talented, good actor. Jake Gyllenhaal, another actor I would not have accepted as Ken. Sorry, Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: <laughs> well, back to the film, now that we've gotten all that Ryan Gosling stuff out, and I'm right. glad we did. It is his birthday. I, happy birthday.
1: Happy birthday, Ryan. Um, if if Daniel Radcliffe wasn't playing Harry Potter, I wish it was you. <laughs> you would have been too old, but it would have been really funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have like a favorite part of this movie?
1: I think my favorite part is the part with the flying car where it's so it's so iconic Disney kind of almost Mm -hmm. it was like that Disney meme that where it's like uh Becky is so stupid and ugly oh no she's right behind me isn't she (laughs) and it's that it's that scene where they're like I think I hear the train and it's like it sounds close and then like the whistle blows and it's and they turn around and the train's right behind the car and they're (laughs) driving on the tracks I just like I love I think that is so like it really encapsulates what about this movie I love so much. Mm -hmm. It's like the childhood whimsy. These (laughs) these kids did not think about consequences of driving on the train tracks or stealing the car in the first place. And it's like the palette is colorful. The action is moving. And uh, Ron is stupid and he tries to save Harry by pulling him up. But you're fully 12 years old. And I don't believe that you actually would have been able to do that. Um, (laughs) Do you have a favorite part that you really like?
0: It's interesting because when I was younger, I did not love this movie because I really didn't like anything scary at all. Sure. Um, and now... And Aragog
1: the Spider is really scary. I mean,
0: yes. And <laughs> also the basilisk mm. is like the scariest thing, especially when he's like... <laughs> Running around the tunnels in the basket, bascul- And it's like bas- the it's-
1: huge head. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's
0: like smelling and trying to find him because it's blinded and stuff. And mm-hmm, he's just like... Mm-hmm. when It's when he's running through the tunnel and it goes up against a grate or something. Like he's hit yeah, a dead end. He's,
1: yeah, he's up against the grate. And oh, it's like yeah. coming toward him and he like throws a rock and it yeah. gets distracted.
0: It's like the Jurassic Park moment of the movie, I feel like. Where it's the whole, mm. if we don't move, like it can't see us or whatever. Yeah. So like rewatching the movie now, that was my favorite part part that i was like oh my god this is so like scary oh he has to like be smart here and it's like an exhilarating moment but when i was a kid like when it would hit the basilisk i was like turn this shit off i'm
1: i'm scared (laughs) (laughs) i love that attitude of like turn this shit off i'm scared (laughs) i think it's like the attitude is like so straight-faced not even like mom i'm scared but like turn this shit off i'm scared (laughs) i can't do this anymore (laughs) That's so fun. I, But also in that same vein, what I think is so cool is that these puppets that they used because like the basilisk and Aragog the spider are like and puppets Fox. for the shots. And Fox the Phoenix. It's like that... That's something that they lose as they go, as yes. as because this is these movies came out in that window of time where we're like figuring out how to use CGI mm-hmm. and like where it should go in movies and how it should be applied, and so a lot of the stuff is so tactile, which makes it feel real and more grounded, because it's like they built that chamber set and they built the basilisk and the spider and the phoenix and like they're in a space where like these child actors can interact with them because I don't think you would have gotten, and I'm not saying these are perfect child acting performances, but like you wouldn't have gotten half that performance out of them if it was a green tennis ball they were staring at.
0: Oh, completely. Or if it was an entirely green screen chamber or if even portions of it were green screened. you know, like you're so right. And that actually, if I could sum up my feeling of watching this movie today in one Mm -hmm. sentence or in one thing, it would be that I, A, miss practical effects, which is, like, Mm -hmm. the most trite thing that any cinephile (laughs) has ever said. Like, yeah, of course. Um, We all do. But this movie, particularly because it is truly so half and half with what it chooses to do practical and what it chooses to have be completely CGI.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: an amazing test case for look how differently these things feel in the space and how genuine they feel or don't feel compared to each other. Yeah. And earlier you did say you loved Dobby. I could
1: not. You hate Dobby? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's it's that tweet that tweet that's like if me and my friend saw et we would have killed him with hammers i can tell you that much <laughs> that's how i felt Dobby.
1: he is um i guess harry met like some goblins and stuff in the first movie so he's seen a little bit of what the wizarding world can look like it is a little shocking that he doesn't like swing hard at Go- Dobby when he appears in his bedroom like I do agree. If you're a kid and you saw him, you'd be like, "It's on sight for real. I'm going to kill this thing. I'm sc- I'm scared out of my mind. I don't know what to do. I can't ask my uncle cuz he'll like beat the shit out of me if I say something about magic."
0: Dobby looks terrifying and then is undermining <laughs> Harry throughout the whole movie and then whenever Harry's like, "Stop doing this." Dobby self-harms in front of Harry.
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the ty- I should I should elaborate on what I meant. <laughs> i'm not a f- huge fan of like the type of character that dobby is like the the allegory for uh, slavery that is yeah. him that is like the oppressed slave race wants, oppressed class the oppre- yeah the oppressed class who enjoys being oppressed or like wants to be or like mm-hmm. is bred to want to be yes i think that it was a tough And this is the book and movie that introduced wizard racism. I think they were tough, like tough concepts to tackle for a kid's book. And I don't think I would agree. And I don't think they were executed the best that they could have been executed. That is Um,
0: a great way of putting that. And I completely forgot, again, if I saw this movie ever, like I've seen every chunk of this movie a million times, but I haven't mm -hmm. seen it all the way through so often. And I... There were so many things that I was like, oh, this is the first time in the universe that we're doing this. And this was the first time somebody said mudblood in the universe and that Harry had to be explained what that was.
1: Yeah. And it's so funny. It's such a funny thing in universe to be like, usually what's being explained to Harry is like, what? magic is and how it works and, like, what is this stupid magic thing? And, mm-hmm. like, blah, 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 blah. What is flu powder? Dumb means of transportation. Don't... I have words about Nocturne Alley. But he... <laughs> he's like, what does that word mean? Those words don't mean anything. And then Ron's like, that's a slur, bro. And he's like, whoa! <laughs> when we were watching the movie, I was... We were watching it and Draco, like, squared up to Hermione the way that he does and I was like... <laughs> I was making this joke where I was like, "Check it out, guys! I'm about to make a slur. Here I go!" And then he says it, and you're like, "You would never just say slurs out in the world like that." Yeah. But it's like, it's like a world where the guy who was leading the apartheid like just went away, like 11 yeah. years ago. And you're like, "That's a crazy concept to smash into a kid's book. Yes. Why would you do that?" <laughs> anyway.
0: Oh she really joanne joanne <laughs> Rowling she really tried to tackle everything, and i I know you know. There, uh, there isn't a ton to say on the topic, but yeah, we'd be remiss to not talk about the fact that she is now, like, gone full turf mode.
1: Yeah, yeah, and she um, embraces it. She's like, yeah. oh, my, sell my turf t-shirt.
0: Yeah, which is, uh, uh, you know, accidentally, I guess, Um, the last episode that we just did was on Silence of the Lambs, which is another notoriously kind of mm, mm. has some transphobic legacy around it. So um, this is transphobe month here at Syndicate of <laughs>
1: We Um, hate you.
0: Yes. (laughs) Hate Um, you. Yeah. Um, There, There isn't much to say other than, you know, it's sad to see the creator of something so important to an entire generation of people who otherwise you know aside from yeah Yeah. there's some maybe anti-semitic rumblings also in the books and the characterizations of certain races of people too but yeah otherwise these were trying to use allegory to talk about social problems and be be progressive and teach children progressive lessons
1: yeah and like gave a world in which Like a lot of people in the communities that are being ostracized by the author, like found community, you know, and it like gave a lot of those people a chance to like feel like they were part of something when in like their real lives, they felt so excluded um, and ostracized from their own lives. And so (laughs) it just sucks that she's like... and you're like oh man i wish you would stop saying stuff like that i just wish you would like stop talking
0: i know just Um, delete your twitter babe Um, because every
1: time you say something it makes it so much worse
0: (laughs) yes the one uh i'll i'll close it out out this small conversation with Mm -hmm. um for those of you who are like interested in learning more about this type of stuff i really would recommend watching contrapoints on youtube Mm. Um, she's a great video essayist and she has multiple videos about J.K. Rowling and about the sneaky ways that turfs use language and, and hide behind things to be like, I'm I don't hate trans people. I just don't think such and such should happen blah 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 so yeah if you if you're interested in learning more about the specific things that jk has said that are derogatory things or that are regressive um i'll i'll put a link or or i'll include uh maybe a clip or something about it i highly recommend looking into that
1: (laughs) (laughs) do your own research we're not gonna do it for you (laughs) yes um
0: back to um favorite parts though
1: Yeah, yeah. I
0: also had another favorite part, which I'm sure you have multiple as well, other than the car, Mm. but another favorite part of mine was they're doing this lesson, and Harry and Draco are, like, squaring off against each other. They're Mm -hmm. they're doing Mm -hmm. a defense against the dark arts lesson, and um, they're fighting with their wands and shit, and then Draco throws out a snake, and then Harry reveals that he's a parcel tongue in front of everybody for the first time, and it is, I don't know, like a really exciting scary moment you're like what's going on
1: yeah (laughs) like why are you all acting that way i think it yeah that is so cool because it's an indicative thing it's a good world building thing where it's like he is our vantage point character and we see everything through his eyes and so we don't know why everyone reacts like that either yeah um i also think it, te- it is a moment that says to me, like, J.K. must have got some feedback from the first book about how he talks to a snake in the zoo. And then it never comes up again because mm. <laughs> it seems like it might be significant that this child can speak to snakes, but he doesn't <laughs> talk to other animals. Uh-huh. And so it's like, what happened there? <laughs> and so in this book they're like she's like all right the you freaking think i can't think it doesn't matter you talk to snakes he can talk to every snake he can talk to a big snake in fact the big snake tells him to do murders what do you think about that <laughs> and you're like okay and i think that yeah there's this moment is really cool in that it fr- is framed in this way where it's like even for a wizard and you are the chosen one mm-hmm. you are he's like even more special than he thought Which, again, plays into that thing for kids where it's like, you're more special than you know you are.
0: Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I don't remember how much we get of this in the first movie, but he is an interesting chosen one to in that because he gets this skill he's like so am i a slytherin like am i like voldemort i got this characteristic Mm -hmm. from voldemort there's a lot of and then you know spoiler for the whole fucking series don't we find out that (laughs) harry himself is a horcrux right
1: yeah he's like the seventh horcrux or something like that
0: yeah so there's a lot of moments throughout the series where it's like i'm the chosen one but i'm also like a defective like fucked up thing from being the chosen one
1: yeah. Yeah. And he's like a big point of contention in the later movies is that like Harry can see into Voldemort's mind. Yeah. and like Voldemort can see into Harry's mind by proxy. And like he needs to learn this thing called occlumency to like stop it from happening or whatever. And it's like, yeah, he's an interesting chosen one because like in another story, people around him would encourage him to do that. To, like, gain vantage. But in this story, they're like, you need to stop doing that. Because he's going to murder us. He's going to murder you. And you're weaker than you think. And he's like, I think I'm stronger than I think. Because every time he learns something about himself in in this series, he's like, oh, I'm, like, way more impressive than I thought. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Let's rock with it. That part is really cool. I love that dueling club scene. It was kind of one that I forgot was in there. And I love the parts... I love, we pointed this out when we were watching it. There's a moment in that where like Snape is like, perhaps it would be prudent to teach the children how to defend themselves from unfriendly spells. And then they don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then instead of doing that, he's like, "Mm, Ron Weasley, loser. What about Draco Malfoy? (laughs) And then he just pulls Malfoy up and they fight instead of them teaching the class how to cast protection spells yes I love that I love it when a character says something and then immediately is it's forgotten and it didn't matter (laughs) it was throwaway (laughs) dialogue
0: it's also so interesting for me I realized that watching this movie I think this was the first time that I have watched a Harry Potter movie since Alan Rickman died
1: oh my god There was a lot of character came on screen and we would go, (laughs) R.I.P.
0: Yeah. Uh, Hagrid also died recently, too.
1: Robbie Coltrane died and Richard Harris, the original Dumbledore, he died a long time ago. Yeah. And every time that Dame Maggie Smith would come on screen, I was like, please never die. (laughs) I think think if you die, I'll die. (laughs) Yes. I'm obsessed with Dame Maggie Smith. I love her. I also am obsessed with... um, I don't know the actress's name, so this is embarrassing. But she plays Professor Sprout. Um,
0: Miriam Margulies, I think.
1: I love her because now interviewers will ask her, like, blah, 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 Harry Potter, blah, 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 blah. And she'll be like, you guys still care about Harry Potter? (laughs) And then they'll be like, like, yeah, but what do you think about this thing from Harry Potter? And she'll be like, that was, like, 20 years ago. I've moved on. They're children's (laughs) movies. Are you kidding me?
0: That Honestly, one of the most significant things or the most interesting thing about the Harry Potter film series, I feel like, mm -hmm. is that it introduced an entire generation of American children and also Americans in general to like 40 Mm -hmm. plus career British actors who are like very famous over there for being in a million movies. But over here, nobody really knows who they are other than that's Ron Weasley's mom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I love that actress. I think it's indicative of the fact like it it's a feels very British to us because it was like a, a studio mandate that every actor they hire for these movies be British. And it was like, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Like it's not we didn't just pluck uh, Macaulay Culkin out of whatever he was doing and like teach him a British accent that he doesn't do very well. And there he is. He's Harry yes. Potter now. Um and I think that if that mandate didn't exist, we probably would have seen a pretty Americanized version of this. Because at the time, like, those are the movies that were coming out and those are the ones that really sold. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't know what child actor would have done this in the, like, late 90s, early 2000s. But you would have seen someone like, oh, my God, I can't think of a single child actor. Like a Macaulay Culkin, you know.
0: Or a Kieran. <laughs> and, Could have been a Kieran. Or a Kieran
1: Culkin. Yeah. Could have been a Kieran Culkin. I would have taken that. Kieran Culkin is Harry Potter. What a different wild ride of a world that we would be living <laughs> in Completely. and then he still does succession as well
0: yes least favorite parts of this movie do you have any here
1: all right i'm gonna say something that i don't think is controversial because i don't think anyone cares uh-huh. i hate the nocturnality sequence i think it's stupid i think that the flu powder network is dumb i think that it doesn't make any sense that you can get into the thing that teleports you magically to a different fireplace, just any fireplace. And you can just be like, you can accidentally go diagonally Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and you'll just go diagonally from where you are located. But you could a diagonal from any direction could be any direction. Uh So it could have just been anywhere that he landed and he just happened to be in an alley adjacent to <laughs> Diagon Alley where he was trying to get <laughs> in that moment JK reveals to us that she's not that good a writer because you reveal to us that Diagon Alley is just the word diagonally <laughs>
0: <laughs> I
1: and know I, I'm like you we 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 found you out I'm not that freaking stupid JK and I know <laughs> <laughs> that Diagon Alley is just diagonally Come on. so that's my least favorite moment I think it's it also like doesn't really add anything to the movie because you're just like oh Harry's in this weird seedy area Hagrid finds him because he was buying flesh-eating worm repellent or something <laughs>
0: which I don't buy, by the way. I was wondering if that was supposed to be a joke because Hagrid mm. was like, why were you over there? And Harry was like, I was lost. And then he turns and goes, why were you over there? <laughs> and I would have loved if they had made it more of a joke where it's like, oh, Hagrid was like clearly seeing a sex worker or something, but like he's going <laughs> to cover it up.
1: <laughs> he's seeing a magic sex worker. I think, and maybe ultimately what it is, is it's just like, to it's meant to like, so later when the story turns on Hagrid, and it, it seems like maybe he's the one who opened the chamber True. of secrets you think back and you're like oh he wasn't that like really weird part of town, but he's not around in the scene long enough for you to really cement that in your mind as True. like a child watching the movie
0: completely i don't know
1: i hate the the for the stupid nocturne alley sequence <laughs> and then like just having a witch who's like mm, are you okay little boy it's like <laughs> get out of here you're I weird know. i don't like this I know. um what Was your least favorite part? Was it also the Flu Powder Network and how stupid it is? No. Okay.
0: <laughs> Before we get I'll to my that. least favorite part though, actually I do want to bring something up because flu powder, the phrase really specifically reminds me of something, which is
1: Flu Powder.
0: Flu- did were you a devotee of a Very Potter musical?
1: I'm gonna embarrass myself. Because the answer is no. <laughs> I've I've truly only ever watched the opening to a Very Potter musical. Uh-huh. And it was I, got, I made it to the joke where Cho Chang really is just like a white girl, which is very funny. <laughs> Admittedly, it's hilarious. But I made it to like the end of that song. And then just every time I've ever made it that far, if I'm watching it on my own, I'm like, I don't want to be watching this on my own. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm watching it with friends, it's like usually around that point when either the party has ended <laughs> and I go home or like the goal to watch it has been expunged. Like yes. we are not watching this. We are doing something else. Yes, yes. But anyway, I do want to hear what you're going to say about it.
0: <laughs> it's really just that at one point they go flu powder powder, flu powder powder. But um I I just it was something also in my notes was that a, a significant thing for I think the overlap of not only people in our generation but theater kids of our generation was yeah. watching Star Kids a very Potter musical um which my available friend,
1: on youtube.com. Uh, yeah, available
0: on youtube.com when I was like 13. I downloaded all of those videos and put them together on iMovie and burned it onto a DVD so I could take it wow. to summer camp.
1: Wow! I really respect you for that. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I think you. I think at that time in my life when that like came out, I was probably like just too young to be like on YouTube for that long. Yeah. And I think probably it was just like I just I like just missed it because everyone in my age group is like obsessed with it yeah. and like knows everything about it and i'm like i guess i i like was too busy brain rotting and like watching asdf movie 6 or something like that i have no <laughs> idea what this is i do know star kid though like from other stuff and i've since like read puffs the the oh, yeah. the very the harry potter spin-off play that's very funny right um and like all that good stuff i just like missed very Potter musical I apologize listener
0: yeah well now it's also in that weird stage too where um I don't know I think we're not used to YouTube videos being as shitty quality as a very Potter musical was because there's truly like chunks of stuff that you cannot hear like when you're you're watching those videos it's so early that someone was filming it on some bullshit camcorder from the back of a black box theater so
1: Yeah. yeah 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 It's it's the old days, truly, and yeah. I think that's very nostalgic in its own way as well. Yeah, but, right, but what was your least favorite off part of that the movie? tangent?
0: Yes, my one of my least favorite parts um, was when Harry breaks his arm and Gilderoy Lockhart <laughs> turns it to jelly. Yeah. Oh, that makes my stomach turn. The sound that it makes, and that they're the, like, like he yeah, bends the... his <laughs> wrist back all the way,
1: and he's like, "You're a lot more flexible than you were."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I. Honestly, every time I've ever watched this movie or seen that chunk of the movie, I've always been like, I hate that. Like, I I don't... It really just something about it I find so disgusting. And I'm just not even in like a, oh, that's funny or that's silly. I'm like, oh, that's gross.
1: You're like, oh, that's gross. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) That's so... That's so... It could definitely be one of those like sensory overload kind of like things.
0: Yes. And then another part is I don't like the Aragog... (laughs) stuff i guess i mm. like i like in theory that it's like just because something's a big spider doesn't mean it's evil and like it's but Hagrid's then he does... friend or whatever but then he
1: does try to like kill and eat them
0: yeah which is like so confusing it's like what are you trying to do um but yeah i don't like them having to follow the spiders i do love the line why can't it ever be follow the
1: butterflies <laughs> i love rupert is in this movie as good as he is in any <laughs> of them he is i fully do i truly believe this i think he is like the best child actor in this movie mm-hmm. i think he's like i think he really milks it i think he goes as hard as he can and if you like watch his facial expressions in the background of any given shot you're like he is acting
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's killing it he's doing a great job
1: that child is acting
0: did you have a favorite performance in this movie
1: well, I loved Rupert. Yeah. I thought he was really good. I also think we actually just watched... Um, oh, man. We just watched a different one, too. And we were talking about how he is less good at it. <laughs> mm. Um, Mainly because they write Ron into, like, bad situations in these movies.
0: Yeah. Um, and later ones, I mean, they are, like, full teenagers. So they have, like, weird moody parts, I feel like. I remember yeah. not loving Ron in the later movies.
1: Yeah. He... I think the thing that they lose in translation is, like... In the books, the thing about Ron is that he is so loyal and he, like, is a good friend. And also, he's also a lot funnier in the books than he is in the movies. And, Uh like, he cracks jokes and people laugh at him all the time and, like, he's funny and, like, that's his main quality. And in the movies, they're like, we aren't, the movies aren't funny anymore, so we don't have funny characters anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: and so, like, Ron, you lose your de- your defining character. Yeah,
0: that kind of sucks because um, I, I do feel like even though, like, he does get some funny lines here and there, but it just seemed like, yeah, a lot of the comedy in the movies revolving around Ron is Ron, like, being clumsy or a fuck up or something. And that's yeah, what's funny. Mm-hmm. When, yeah, yeah. it would have been such a fun color to paint on there of, like, he's, if he's witty. Like,
1: he's a little pithy. Yeah, yeah, I wish. I wish that they kept a lot of that. I think that it would have been way more interesting than him being, like, moody and a character I don't want to see on screen. Um, as in every movie, <laughs> Alan Rickman devours oh. these these this thing. That scene where he is in, they're doing the duel, I'm like, what is he wearing? He looks incredible. Yes. <laughs> like, he is snatched waist. He has, like, the flared, like, his, like, cloak garment is like a cape almost it's so cool he looks so cool where lockhart looks so stupid it's like and then he is like such an incredible like like when he says expelliarmus he says it in this way that you're like oh he (laughs) like ate every syllable he loved saying that yes um and then he's like yeah and he has his little speech about how like like ron weasley's wand uh like poses a threat off the most basic of spells if we want to keep both students alive i think perhaps we should choose a different one maybe draco uh, malfoy oh <laughs> and he literally he hit this isn't anything for you listener but he literally like raises his shoulders and is like maybe draco malfoy <laughs> <laughs> and you're like you know what you did you oh, cheeky little fuck you yeah. dude you you're and he has like a wry smile and you're like you know these kids, like, hate each other. Yes. You're just, like, putting two kids who want a bare knuckle box already, like, in a ring. Like, why'd you do that?
0: <laughs> in front of everybody.
1: So funny. Yes. I think he's so good in these movies. I love him.
0: Oh, he's so oh, amazing.
1: To be transparent, in my notes I wrote, um, Rupert is really good in this one! Exclamation point. Snape and McGinnis are incredible as well. I think I meant McGonagall. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> We were talking a lot during the scene where she's teaching the transmutation class about teaching, turning the animals into water goblets. Uh-huh. And one of the things that we brought up is like, <laughs> Ron messes up the spell, turning Scabbers the rat into a cup. And it was like, that is a man. Because you learn later as Peter Pettigrew, so you're like, that is a man as a rat as a cup. That is a man as a rat as a cup. <laughs> And what does that mean for his sentience? That he's a cup and he was a rat and now he's a he's a man as a rat as a cup.
0: What is the implication of this spell? What does this mean?
1: That would be like if someone looked at you, pointed a stick at you <laughs> and turned you into a cup. <laughs> oh, oh my man. god. Is a man as a rat as a cup. Anyway, a man as um, a rat as a cup. Did you have a favorite performance? Was it the rat as a cup? <laughs>
0: The furry rat cup was disgusting and I loved it.
1: It's kind of the kind of thing that you can imagine holding and being really grossed out by.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I had two favorite performances, and frankly, it was because they were like the bitchiest um, Mm. and the cuntiest. And it was. I was going to
1: say, are they the bitchiest or are they the cuntiest?
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're the cuntiest. Because these are are
1: different. And so
0: the first one is frankly Gilderoy Lockhart uh yeah Kenneth Kenneth Branagh yeah loved him (laughs) yes um he's great in this movie Uh, this is the Mm. only one that he's in and I think that his character is like so fun this really is back like you said like this is allowed to be childhood whimsy and so he's allowed to be like a very silly character and mm-hmm. he's arrogant and he yeah. you know, i love his hair he's like so good looking too and the girls are like <laughs> fawning over him and shit and then also at the end he like totally turns on them and is gonna yeah. like erase their memories
1: their 12 year old memories oh
0: my god so fucked up and he ends up doing it to its himself which just ends up being a funny joke but it's like <laughs> you were about to basically lobotomize
1: two children <laughs> These two children and then ultimately lobotomizes himself and then ron beams him on the back of the head with a rock and (laughs) knocks him out an adult man i love that part too because ron does it and then he looks at harry like okay now what (laughs) because it's like dude what'd you just do you could be dead but we don't worry about that in these movies because no one ever dies yes Um, yeah these first ones these first
0: ones it's fine yeah uh, it. yeah. it
1: really is treated that way too where he's like <laughs> what is his line it's like oh this is a nice place do you live here <laughs> and then he hands ron a rock and he's like no i don't live here and bonk and just (laughs) knocks him out and you're like why did that happen in that way he wasn't doing anything anymore
0: (laughs) yeah he wasn't like gonna stop them from doing anything there's no need
1: Uh, yeah he's like dazed and confused anyway what was your other (laughs) uh, your other one
0: (laughs) my other one was actually and this is again like you know having seen the franchise or different parts of it so many times i forget when things are the first time in the mm, franchise mm-hmm. and i forgot that this was the first appearance of
1: of dobby the house elf that you love
0: <laughs> no <laughs> you're
1: yeah your stunned laughter tells me that i'm right
0: i'm setting him on fire <laughs> at the end of this movie um <laughs> of lucius malfoy
1: oh my god yeah yeah J- yeah yeah is it
0: jacob isaac jason
1: isaacs jason isaacs, jason isaacs. Yeah. he's so good
0: oh my god he was amazing from from the moment you first see him in diagon alley when he s- steps up to a full child, a child. and it's like fuck you harry potter <laughs> like he's basically just being rude as shit to a kid to His, a kid draco's not even around he's just doing this independently of draco and being like mm-hmm. and then also being like ron weasley you're poor ass. Like, <laughs> you don't have any money.
1: <laughs> you don't have any money. Suck it, kid. And he's so like, the, the delivery of those lines too is like, it's so, what does he say where he's like,
0: Well, he's like, he uh, says he gets, he's holding one of their books and he goes, a tattered secondhand book book must be a weasley or something
1: <laughs> yeah and he it's like he's saying it and he's like raising his eyebrow and curling his lip at this he looks like the grinch yes! he's like he's like a tatted secondhand book must be a weasley <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're such a tool oh my god
0: these are it's, elementary school kids
1: <laughs> and we were talking when we watched this movie about how there are characters that get introduced in this one or, like, are around in these movies that, like, you have them for a while and they're pretty menacing and scary until the rug gets pulled out from under them and then they're just, like, sniveling little wimps. Yeah. And, like, Lucius Malfoy is the pinnacle of it because he's so scary and imposing until Voldemort comes back and then he's just like, "Mm, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry, Voldemort. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, why... um, were we worried about this guy at all? He sucks. (laughs) Who also squares up to fully murder a child at the end of the movie.
0: That was another, that was the, like actually one of the biggest things that I had in my notes that I was like, I have no memory of that happening all the times I've watched this movie is that he is fully about to say Avada Kedavra and kill Harry Potter at the end and then Dobby saves him and it's fine. But I'm like, you were about to murder a kid right outside like Dumbledore's office.
1: It would be, it's, it's like if you contextualize it in the real world it would be like if you were in a you were in a weird meeting with a principal of a school that you had recently voted to remove who is back in the school you leave and then the kid makes you accidentally fire your waiter your butler and then you turn around and pull out a gun on the kid it's just, like, the set of circumstances makes so little sense in yes. out of context. It's just, like, what are you doing? He re- He's reaching for the blicky on this 12-year-old child. And you're, like... And we... And at that time, we didn't know that that's what that spell does. Because we don't find that out until, like, the fourth movie. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah.
1: But now we do know what you're trying to do. So... I think Harry, there should have been a moment in the fourth movie where he hears the words of Avada Kedavra. And we get the
0: flashback.
1: And there's a flashback and he's like, Lucius Malfoy tried to kill me when I was 12. (laughs) And be like, Draco tries to give him shit and he's like, hey, um, your dad tried to murder me when I was 12. I don't... I'm, I don't like, think we can
0: it. I don't think we can go to the same school anymore, dude. I
1: don't think we can just have like a rapport where you kind of bully me and I kind of get over it because I'm the bigger person. That can't really exist when your dad tried to murder me. <laughs> <laughs> that is so um, real. It's just horrible. It's just so but he, yeah, he is Jason Isaacs is an incredible asset to the cast of these movies. Yes. I think the only person that I wanted to see more of that I didn't later down the line is when David Tennant is in as Barty Crouch Jr. <gasps> for like two seconds it's he a shame goes- we didn't do the fourth one hi father <laughs> hello. hello father <laughs> <laughs> sorry headphones listeners we were sticking um, out our
0: tongues to do the <laughs> to do the do Barty do Crouch David Tennant a bit. that's another quotable moment for some reason that me and my sister always used to go Barty Crouch Jr.
1: Jr. <laughs> we just watched that movie not that long ago too and, he, and they're like whoa Barty crouch what he's literally the judge and he, and he hits him with junior and you're like you didn't have to say it like that you want to get out of prison so you should probably not save the drama you're, you just get it all out there he wanted to be dramatic he was being he was being dramatique yeah with with a q u e yes um so silly so silly
0: did you have in this movie did you have a least favorite performance
1: here's the facts and also i'll read what i wrote in my notes first (laughs) yeah because it makes no sense i wrote argue flash is not in his bag in this one and I think what I was trying to say is Argus Filch is not in his bag in this one. <laughs> Mainly because he has this moment where he's like, where he sees his dead, his petrified cat. And he's like, I'll kill you. <laughs> I'll kill you. <ya." laughs> and you're like, you're weird. Yeah. I don't really feel threatened by you, weirdo. Mm-hmm. I just think you're odd. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I know, but I do like that actor a lot because, and I'm outing myself here, but I've seen a lot of Doctor Who. And he's in an episode of, uh, like matt smith's doctor who and he is like this dying old man who like can't move his body at all Mm -hmm. and they had this really interesting like back and forth about the ownership of nature and it was it's like it is inter- In my memory, it's interesting. It might actually not be that deep. But I was like, you are capable of being a really interesting actor to watch. Uh-huh. Just like in this one, I wasn't a huge fan. And then also, Argus Filch is another example of a character that's like scary now. And then later, they use him as like the butt of a joke. And he like runs in and he has like a weird old man run. and It's like a whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah, that would have to be my pick.
0: Yeah. Mine?
1: Dobby the House Elf. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and for the re- my reasoning behind it i don't think it was a bad performance but mm-hmm. um i just personally felt that who voices him is it toby jones
1: you were like you know what um andy circus does gollum 3 years later so this was really weak honestly
0: <laughs> no what it is is that british actor was it toby jones? it's toby jones oh lol which like <laughs> I didn't know he voiced Dobby until somewhat recently. Me and my friends were watching him in a movie and we were like, What else is he in? And then I was like, He's British. He has to be in the Harry Potter universe. And they mm-hmm. were like, I don't think he is. And we looked it up and we were like, Oh shit, he voices Dobby. And we all kind of looked at each other and we were like, What a waste. Like, why didn't they have him elsewhere, mm-hmm. like as himself? Because I don't think there's any reason for Toby Jones specifically to voice Dobby the voice didn't feel special in any way it felt like they could have gotten any nobody to do it and then Toby should have been like an actual fucking character that we see in like multiple films
1: yeah he could have he could have definitely been someone in something yeah he would have been an interesting character to he would have been an interesting like actor to have play like Cornelius Fudge or like Professor Slughorn or uh oh what's the one or Barty Crouch you know like he These characters are pretty charactery, and I think Toby Jones has a fascinating, like a very specific look. Mm -hmm. That is a true waste. You bring up an interesting point, and it is a better point than being like, "I hate the way he looks as Dobby (laughs) does." I do
0: also want to kill Dobby with hammers. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I wanted to kill him with hammers, so I didn't like his performance.
0: Uh, do you have any other any other big big things that you wanted to talk about or any other notes that you had about this movie
1: um just a lot of moments where you're like this is so of the ilk of being a 12 year old child like the moment when dobby is levitating a cake over the company and harry's like trying to grab it it's like dude either just grab the cake or like exit scene like never should you have ever come down here because if you hadn't he wouldn't have done this
0: yes (laughs) This yeah. would
1: never have happened to you. And also, I wrote this in my notes from the last time we did this. I did this movie for a podcast, but it was like, just lie to him. He, like, just wants you to say that you're not going to go back. Mm-hmm. Literally just lie to him. Yeah. Why would you not? But it's also like, you're 12 years old. You don't think to lie, you know? Yeah.
0: You don't play Unless the long you game. Like you don't strategize yeah. when you're that age. No.
1: But You're not thinking. You'd steal a car and you <laughs> you'd drive it flying over London. Yes. Um, Because you're 12 years old. Yeah, mainly those notes. And Snape is so incredibly cunty. I love him. Um, I think he's so fun. And Alan Rickman, you are dearly missed. RIP. Yes.
0: Um,
1: Also, Robbie Coltrane, Richard Harris, and I hope no one else in the cast ever dies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And they never will.
1: And they never will, ever. Um,
0: I have one more small note. Very small thing. Oh, I love it. Yes. I feel like now... Uh, this is making me want to go back and watch all these movies again because I get so many like memories flooding back or things that I don't, things that I forget about with these movies. And something that punched me in the face as I was watching this is I forgot how much I loved the Quidditch captain and his hot Scottish accent.
1: Oliver Wood. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah, we were, I brought up when he came out, I was like...
0: I gasped. That
1: guy is, I was like, he's acting. <laughs> and he's and then the guy dubbed to and sorry actor whoever you are i hope you saw an orthodontist eventually but the guy that we dubbed um mr teeth the captain of the slytherin team uh-huh. you're like this guy is not acting he was like he was like we have a note <laughs> and Oliver woods like what do you mean you've got a note and he's like <laughs> like doing all the business and he's reading the stupid note yes. professor severus snape your new seeker you've got a new seeker <laughs> and you're like you're cool I you're like you. awesome
0: and you're such a like weirdly minor character like he is not he's not part of like the main 25 people in this movie you know what i mean but no. when he shows up i'm always like oh, it's that's him
1: you're like, Oliver, oh my, <laughs> clutching my pearls. I love him. <laughs> I love you, Oliver. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I think, like, him and the actor who played Tom Riddle are vastly underused. Because oh, yes. they're both really strong and really good. And obviously the Tom Riddle actor, he gets to be in the end, at the climax of the movie. But, mm-hmm. like, he really should have been sprinkled in it more, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so real. Yeah,
1: yeah I think I read one one time that, like, he didn't even get asked to vo- to audition or, like, St- screen test for the full Voldemort when they wanted to bring him back. Back really? And I didn't. I never got that because I think he's really strong in this. Yeah. And then like ultimately, it's like, well, if you chose between him and Ray fines you'd probably go with Ray fines I get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess the only thing like counting against him is the fact that like he wouldn't be necessarily be the right age by the time we got around to it. But it's like yeah. still, he should have given him more of a shot. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, that was wonderful talking about Harry Potter that like (laughs) it brought back so many memories watching this movie. And like I said, you know, and it's it's getting to be the holidays too. So Mm -hmm. I have a feeling I'm gonna maybe finish this rewatch of the rest of the movies, but might as well. Yes. Uh, Before we go, I have Mm. my final question that I always ask, which is, can you think of a contemporary favorite of yours that You would like the younger generations to see if cable TV continued to be a thing as it was in our childhood and and marathoning movies and stuff. Do you have any more current movies that you think would be good TV movies for kids?
1: Yeah, there was a moment when I was looking over this and I was trying to think like what would be good picks. And I think a pick that I really like for kids because it's like it's for kids. It's not for kids. And that's, I think, the perfect kids movie Yeah, (laughs) is like the Knives Out movies because i think it's like interesting and it can keep a kid engaged but it's not like so like violent that it like gets kids in a weird mindset about what the world is and it's also like a mystery so that you have to like sit and think about it probably the first one is better than the second one honestly Mm -hmm. but like i think they're both really fun they have interesting set pieces and stuff um and then if you wanted a movie that like is thoughtful and um has like is cool and fun, but also has a really good message. I'd probably go with like Barbie just because yeah. like it's got fun musical numbers. It's got extremely fun sets, it's got characters that you love and like a pretty simple premise, but also deconstructs patriarchy in a way that kids could understand because Ken has like the mindset of a child. And so it's really, I think that teaches a very interesting lesson as well. It also has like interesting things to say about like mothers and daughters and relationships and like how to be an individual while also being part of a relationship or like what how it why it's okay to be not just you or like i'm sorry just yourself and not part of a relationship yeah i think that like i mean i think barbie's just an incredible movie that everyone should see and if you haven't seen it or what are you living under a rock (laughs) i i mean come on um i think those are my those would be like my picks in terms of like more contemporary films
0: yeah those are great picks and you're you're actually the second person to say knives out
1: um oh that's
0: such a good pick um and the first time that we talked about Knives Out, we did talk about the fact that, is that an Amazon movie or a Netflix movie? It, it's definitely oh. not. It's one of those like internet companies, I guess, quote unquote movies. Yeah, I'm um, pretty like sure
1: a, it's a Netflix movie officially. Yeah.
0: And so that is like a pure example of something that as far as we know, will never air on cable TV in yeah. syndication because mm-hmm. it's owned by Netflix, which is such a bummer. And it would be like you said so wonderful for you can kind of pick it up anywhere it's such a good little type mystery and then barbie too great messaging it's like pg-13 but also like they don't need to censor it at all for tv
1: yeah i don't think yeah. there's even i don't think anyone says real like there's never any moment of like hard swearing in barbie you know what i mean like yeah is probably like a Mattel thing. They're like, we don't want Barbie to say fuck. <laughs> like, why would yeah. we want that? They do um, say
0: either fuck or motherfucker at the end and they bleep it out with a Mattel thing over, I think, mm, Issa Rae's face. Oh, I think
1: you're so right. <laughs> yeah. And that is good. So
0: they self-censor it. So TV would be fine with it.
1: TV would love it. I think any cable network would be lucky to have the syndication rights to run Barbie. I think you'd be very lucky, ABC Family, or whatever you are now. I think free-form. it's freeform. <laughs> Jesus.
0: Agreed. Well, before we go, uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I'm not doing much in terms of acting right now. But if people want, if you're in the New York area, um, you can check out my friend Seth's and former Podcast co host Seth's play that he's producing, directed by a dear friend of ours, Elena Kramer. Um, it's going up next year. It's called Stupid, Boring, Straight People. You can find them on Instagram at Stupid, Boring, Straight People Play. And if you like what you see there or you want to check it out before you get there, you can follow the nail Band. It's Seth and Elena's band. They put out good music, really fun, very punk, very, uh, very cool. So I would definitely recommend checking them out in lieu of checking my stuff out, but if you really want to follow me around, uh, I'm on Instagram at Nick
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about the, the phenomenon that is Harry <laughs> Potter with me. This was so, I, I feel like I'm full of childhood whimsy now.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you, uh, you know, if you need someone, if you end up doing a whole marathon, you want to talk about more of these movies, I'll watch another one. I think the most recent one that I would need to watch at this point would be Order of the Phoenix. So I'll, you know, I'll talk about it. Okay,
0: maybe we'll do that. Maybe this holiday season, I'll finally tackle Order of the Phoenix and I'll give you a call with my thoughts. And
1: and we'll be like, wow, this movie was kind of a drag, huh? (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: Yes.